This is CliffCentral.com. Well, it's a very good morning to you on this wonderful Monday morning. My name is Dr. Cindy Siwe-Fansale. You can catch me on Twitter at DocCindy, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And we're here for the Health Hour yet again. So this morning's guest is Dr. Matlane Palane, and he's from Samatu, which is the South African Medical Association Trade Union. So, yeah, thank you very much, um, Matlane, for joining me on the show. Thank you. Okay, so basically, um, you need to just talk us through the change, the changeover from SAMA being the South African Medical Association to what it is now, which is SAMATU. When did the change happen and what brought the change about? Um, maybe we should just start from, from the beginning. Um, a lot of us think that there was a huge change and there's this new breed of um, radical doctors who want to unionize and politicize the medical profession. That could not be any further from the truth because the, the South African Medical Association was registered as a trade union predating 1996. Okay. So, so the, the, the forebears of this association were, had the vision, where they were visionaries and pioneers of, of this um, trade union. Okay. Maybe it's also important to, to mention that, you know, uh, I know especially in the medical profession we've got a huge reservation and discomfort when it comes to trade unionism and doctors as professionals being seen as trade unionism. Um, the truth is that the labor relations or the employer-employee relationship management requires of our association to adapt or less it dies. Because as doctors, you will know, even in the recent um, times, where because of the normal applications of their profession or the art of medicine, uh, doctors will be facing various uh, labor relations um, um, procedures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to give an example, um, recently in the media, we all heard of a doctor in the Eastern Cape who has been suspended because it is alleged that um, he did not attend to a sexual assault case, two of them. Uh, just, just now, recently, we saw the press release from, from the, the, the minister's office of uh, doctors in Bumalanga who performed in inverted commas cesarean section in the ward. Um, um, we're not going to the merits and demerits. We're just trying to show you that the, the labor relations cases that doctors face on day-to-day um, basis requires of us to adapt and, and empower ourselves to be able to deal with them. Okay. And in terms of... Um well, how you've gotten the message out to 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 the us doctors of what the organisation is all about? I mean, how are you? How are you? What are you guys doing to break that perception that we have of medical, you know, doctors and trade unions? What are you? What are, what have you done to break that perception and to enlighten us? You know, we take we take we take we take cue from um, what Nelson Mandela had said, especially befitting in this Mandela man. Remember, mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela said that it doesn't matter whether a cat is black or white. Uh, the key is that as long as it catches minds. So whether you call us a trade union, an association, a boys club, a social club, a society, it should not matter. What matters the most is, is this organization serving the interest first of the profession and of doctors and of the patients or the nation. That is, that is the key issue. And then as long as, uh, as, as we, we, we live up to that ideal, um, eventually and naturally, um, doctors in society will come to accept that. Let's give you practical examples. If, if, if because of the long time that the medical profession has not paid enough necessary attention to this issue of um, trade unionism 
in terms of activism and participation. Okay. Um, we, we have scored many own goals. Um, you would look at, for example, um, yourself as a, a medical professional. You will realize that uh, nurses and other uh, health workers, they say they, they, they will get certain allowances. Let's talk about the danger allowance. Okay. Uh, you rotated in, in um, um, bescopic psychiatric wards or those that are deemed by the um, public sector uh, bargaining council as dangerous um, working environment. Yeah. Nurses and other professionals will get the danger allowance purely because they participated in the bargaining council. But the same doctors who are working with the same nurse in the same ward treating the same patients are not getting the danger allowance because we're not there participating and enforcing this thing. Uh, if Yes. The, the other example uh, also will be with the issue of um, uh, performance management and development system. If you were to show me any doctor in this country who has, in the recent past, received that, and despite the fact that there are a lot of doctors who are hardworking who are deserving of that, then we're not getting that, purely because we are not there to enforce these things. And we, 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 we are way behind the ears in terms of the processes that deal with these things to enforce and compile the evidence and do all this. And that disadvantages doctors. Okay, but then Masani, so what is it that we're going to do? Okay, not for us, because maybe we're too far gone, but the, the, doc, the doctors that are coming behind us, what needs to be done to ensure that they know, they know their place, they know their rights, they know what needs to be done? Because, look, in my case, I'm thinking about OSD, because the, the OSD um, saga in 2009 changed my life. It changed my perception of the industry. It changed everything around me. I think that's one of the reasons why it was easy for me to even leave the Department of Health. If I had my own way, I wouldn't have left the Department of Health. But so much, so much happened during OSD, which made me see that, you know what, we are doctors, we are contributing to this health sector, but we are not regarded as anything important. So what are we going to do or what are you guys going to do to make sure that things change? Because when I listen to people right now, people on the ground, people who are still in the public sector, it doesn't always feel as if anything has changed. Yeah, you, you remember the only thing that is constant is change. And, and, and change is not necessarily an event, it's a process, a mm-hmm. long and painful and tedious process. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you will remember what Mahatma Gandhi says, be the change that you want to see. It's not that you're going to have um, leaders from Mars or Venus um, in the medical profession who are going to change this because they will have any superpowers or miraculous ability. Mm-hmm. You will need the ordinary doctors um, in their clinics or hospitals and community health care centers to have a paradigm shift. Yeah. Firstly, understand that we are, we are workers. And secondly, understand that it is only ourselves who can promote and protect um, and advocate for the profession and patient. Um, there are certain things that we have to accept, as Franz Fanon has owned that it, it is the laziness and cowardice of the educated elite to interact with the masses that leads to mishaps. Mm-hmm. It is because of that that a lot of mishaps has ha- have happened in, in the medical and health industry. One, you have seen how people with no health background or qualifications have been parachuted to uh, run healthcare system, and we are still reaping the sour fruit of such yeah. a wrong decision that was taken. Mm-hmm. Where was the medical profession? We we all remember how the the health profession cancer for years was led by a lawyer. How can a regulator of health professions be someone who is not even a member of that profession? 
we allowed that to happen. Mm. Remember, nature doesn't leave any vacuum. It's because we were too absorbed with our own egoistic and selfish things that we did not pay necessary attention to these issues. Mm. The other practical issues, politics aside, as this country, all of us are responsible um, by our action or omission to the way in which initially we mishandled the, the issue of HIV. Okay. Where was the medical profession? So, so these are the issues that we should realize that we really need to stand up and be counted and come up with this thing. What we are doing, a specific answers to your question. One, we are making sure that we are building structures. Remember in the past, the, the association was like an Irish coffee where there's cream on the top. Like nationally, we used to have leadership. Mm-hmm. But uh, trickling down to where things are happening um, in the provinces, in the districts, in the regions, uh, you had absolutely little or no activity that is going on. So we have changed that in a point where we are establishing structures, um, like doctors who will be able to say, um, in Eastern Cape, these are our challenges, this is the leadership, how do doctors communicate? Because, for example, you will know yourself that as medical professionals, if with OSD, if you're working at BARA and you've got um, 2,000 doctors working at BARA, if you have a problem with OSD, the HR department will receive 2,000 different complaints about the same issue. But even people who, like, say, the, the, the cleaners or support staff, because they understand the issue and the power of the unity and collective bargaining, they will not do as we are doing as doctors. They will meet and send a delegation and in an orderly and powerful way raise their issues. So this is what we're trying to do, to say, when well, as doctors, when you have a problem with OSD, we did that in the Eastern Cape, where we had a lot of complaints about OSD. Instead of one doctor going to HR and screaming and shouting, we said, no, 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 let's compile a list. In an orderly fashion, we'll be able to deal with these issues. And we are glad today that the majority of those issues have been resolved. Okay. Let me just jump in there. Okay, let's just okay, hold your thought, but let's just talk about let's just talk about the the way that we don't do togetherness. I think that's a very important topic because I attended a meeting where um uh, doctors that are specializing registrars have got a lot of grievances against the colleges of medicine and just the way things are done when you're specializing. And one of the things that I mentioned is that there's no unity amongst us. The moment you're done specializing, it's almost as if you've made it, you're out of the system, and then you go on, you specialize, you carry on with your life, you know, you, you don't come back to see what have you left behind for the people behind you, okay? So what are you, what, what else are you guys what else would you guys do to try and keep that camaraderie together? Like we, we, we actually do need an old boys club, but an old boys club of people who've been through the system have survived it and are now looking back to help the guys coming behind us. Do you understand? I understand fully and I agree fully with that. So what, remember the other thing that, that, that we need to keep in mind is we should not just bash doctors and say they are apathetic. It's just like with, with, the, with the country, South Africa in general. We'll see the youth and the, the people of South Africa are apathetic. They are not interested in the national cause and issues of national interest. But that, that's not always necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I, I will give an example. If, 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 if we have an issue that is relevant and pressing enough, people will rally around. If, if you remember when the former President Nelson Mandela passed on in the United State at the Union Building, for those three days we had pandemonium people queuing for about three days to go view his body. Mm-hmm. And there was no one who went door to door to say, come here. 
but we rallied around because there was a cause that we believed in, there was a cause that we were interested in. Our responsibility as people who are elected to manage these issues is to say, how do we then polish our product such that it becomes relevant and attractive to doctors? If Dr. Cindy is interested in women's health, how do we create a platform for her within our structures mm-hmm. so that she can serve? It's for us to, to create that niche to say everyone should find a space to participate. I'll give you examples. You, you, you would know about our ineffective and inefficient and very expensive uh, referral system in this country. Yes. Um, um, if we sit and complain and do nothing about it or hope that the manager, health managers or politicians will come with a solution, um, 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 we, it is like we are jolting upon the water, we are trying to milk a bull. But what we did then is to say, there are people who want to help. Um, we, 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 we formed a team of about six specialists from Houting and said, let's go have an outreach in Bumalanga. Instead of having one patient with a femur fracture being transported over 400 kilometers from a rural hospital in, in Bumalanga to this vehicle, rather let's have an outreach program over a weekend where we can have a team of six specialists who go there and they operated close to 2022 patients okay. in one weekend. We're just showing how we're making a tangible changes in the system. Can you imagine if we were to say the amount of money someone was estimating that the Limpopo, for example, spending about $3 million a month um, referring patients from Limpopo to the hospitals in Kauti. Yeah. If we were to use that money and change the system and say, instead of them traveling 350 kilometers to go see Dr. Cindy. How about we send Dr. Cindy to go see them maybe once or mm. twice in a, in a month and we compensate Dr. Cindy? That will work better. So those are the kind of changes. And the other things, we need to look beyond the challenges that we have. Mm. Um, in Northwest, for example, and in Mbobo, what we've done is we want to do this in all the provinces. Yeah. You will realize that we, we, ours is a thankless job. Um, you, you're doing your work and you just feel and think that nobody really cares. Yeah. It's only when you make mistakes that you'll feel the rest of managers and politicians. Yeah. But, but then we need to change that. If, if we ourselves don't see ourselves seriously, people will say we are essential service, but we don't get the essential treatment that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So what we do then is we go to these provinces and identify doctors who, one, have been very loyal to the public sector, Okay. Um, this is an 86-year-old doctor in Northwest okay. who, who is still working so hard. Interestingly, when he went there last week to recognize and award him, um, he declined the invitation purely because on the day we wanted to give, award him, he had a responsibility to go to treat patients and supervise junior doctors. Mm. So it's overwhelming because such stories are not told and no one can tell our history other than ourselves. No, it's true. And I mean, I appreciate that we do have to celebrate medical practitioners and, and health workers who have, you know, who are contributing meaningfully to our public sector. Um, medical schools, Matlana, let's just talk a bit about medical school. Um, what, what work are you guys doing um, at medical schools? Because I know that a lot of it starts at grassroots. I think, I mean, if you look at our varsity Takis, we had very good influences very early on. I know that for me, Professor Przeski was a very strong influence. And the, I've, the doctor that I've become, a lot of it comes from learning from him and just and Dr. Cameron as well. So the early influences in medical school make a difference as well. What are you guys doing to, to have an impact on medical students? 
Um, through through our junior doctors association and ourselves, we yeah. are participating in the um, activities at at medical schools. But we really need to do more. And even through our South African registrars association, where we support registrars, even with research protocols and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But what we need. Um, and, and the other thing is, for example, you remember the biggest challenges in South Africa, or the plans, rather. If you look at the 10-point plan, the NDP, we, we're creating a forum where medical schools and academia will participate. Um, we were at the uh, University of Pretoria um, two, three months ago, where the academia participated in a discussion with the minister to say, where are we going to us turning around the tide? Mm-hmm. Um um, and one of the other issues, well, I will go back to that point, is that you know you and I will know that there are academics who are doing excellent work in terms of research. The research findings, which can be gr- uh, groundbreaking and really help us improve the healthcare system, mm-hmm. are gathering dust in those um, university offices. We need to um, bridge this gap where these findings, whether say the six priorities of government, yeah. um, or reducing the waiting time, for example. Mm. If somebody somewhere in this country has done a study uh, which could help us resolve such a problem, um, we need to be able to tap in, in, into that kind of knowledge. No, that's true. And I think we can also we can also take from, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard of Lean, but Toyota used to turn around their, their factories, you know. we I know that when I was still working in Soweto, we implemented Lean principles into a lot of our facilities. And you're able to, you know, shorten the time that the clock has to walk from the desk to the filing room and a lot of other things that impact meaningfully um, for the end user, which is our patient. Because at the end of the day, everything that we're doing is for the patient. Definitely. Those are the kind of things that you should say. We need to create that space and that room for, for people who've got the knowledge and the expertise to, to influence and impact positively on the system. Um, um, and, and also the other thing is to remember um, we've got a dire shortage internationally and so more so or west so in sub-Saharan Africa of health professionals. Um, our recruitment um, and production rate and, and retention it's a problem. Um, we, 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 we keep on saying that we have a broken bucket system yeah. where we will spend so much money. Um, um, you know, I remember the words of, of Governor when he wrote for the Transvaal Times and he said, what you use it is for society to help train these young people at such a huge societal cost if they were not to come back and plow back to the, to, to the community. But you find that the, the, the conditions... Um, uh, working conditions as su- such a strong pushing factor to kick out either the, the medical or health professional either out of the public sector into the private sector or mm-hmm. completely out of the uh, health profession. So, so we, we are producing as much as we are losing. Mm-hmm. So, so, so either to overseas, to private, or out, out, out outside the, the profession itself. So that's why we need we need to really make sure that we we, we sit down and and make sure that we we have a paradigm shift in the manner we do we doing things. It, it costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time to produce one doctor. Mm. And losing one doctor or a nurse is one too many. And and community service and internship have the years changed yet? I mean, after medical school, how many years does one have to to work back time for the for the Department of Health? It's, it's still it's still two, it's two years um, internship and one year community service. Oh, because they haven't adjusted that yet. Yeah, but some of us are saying um, even even those years 
the, the three years um, in, in, in total, uh, could be used to improve. For example, if you look at the 10-point plan, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's an issue of improving research output in the country. And you and I would know that if you are a medical professional um, and you don't keep up with the changes in the medical profession, you'll end up um, um, mistreating um, a patient because yes. things change so rapidly. Yeah. So, so what we are proposing, um, even within the profession, is to say, and uh, the other point, the other reason for that is we, we usually see that um, we, we medical professionals or registrars struggle with the research component when they specialize. Mm-hmm. We are saying as a way to, 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 to prepare them for, for, for that, for, for research, and also in a way to improve and increase the quality and the quantity of research output within the medical profession with the aim of what we have said earlier to say, if we really say you've got a better understanding of what is happening and the challenges and come up with solutions, shouldn't we consider adding a research element in this year of internship and community service? Even if it's just the issue of assessing um, service delivery challenges. Mm. I mean, I mean and, and, and then, and then we, we need to first create a, a conducive milieu and support system and structure for, because otherwise we'll be setting up these junior doctors for failure. Mm. If, for example, we won't have um, ethics committees that will, will um, approve the uh, research protocols timelessly, if we don't have people who are going to support them in terms of developing these protocols and stuff, that in itself will, will improve um, the, the, the research output in terms of quantity and quality. Mm-hmm. It will also impact on the way we transform the healthcare system it will also encourage the culture of, of doing research and study, which all this combined can only mean an improvement in the healthcare system and the medical profession. No, I agree with that. And I think as well, again, going back to medical school, if you look at us, we had research slotted into our, into our you know, curricula uh, all through medical school. So again... We could look at the medical school curricula and decide that, you know what, research starts in first year. So by the time you get to specializing, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Indeed. Um, indeed. And, and, and the, 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 the other thing that you want to really raise is, especially for us as doctors and nurses and healthcare workers, is, you know, the way I define our working environment. Um, our working environment is, is characterized by diseases, disability, and death. Mm-hmm. When you go to work as a health professional every day, you are faced with those three. So, so, so it, it is a very serious environment that, that requires that anyone and everyone who needs to support that system, first, let's fix that which is broken, provide that which is lacking, because we are dealing with people's lives. Mm-hmm. And people literally... Um, because of their diseases that are not managed, they will end up being disabled or they will die. So if, if everyone from, from, from a, a, a patient to the president who somehow has got an influence directly or indirectly on the rendering of health care services yeah. had that in mind to say by our actions or omissions, we will lead into a situation where diseases will be uncontrollable, people will get disabled, and people will die. If all the time we have that in our mind, and that will change our attitude in the manner in which we're doing things. That will move us from running the tender care that we are running now into going back into running a pure health care system. Mm. Okay, Matlani, we'll be back after the song break. 
um, to Karen chatting more. And I think when we come back, I really want to touch on, um, you know, the, the ward-based um, teams, like the, the health system strengthening that's been happening and what your thoughts are around that. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Cliffcentral.com Cliffcentral.com. Well, we're back with the Health Hour. My name is Dr. Cindy Van Sale, and that is a lovely song by um, Malay. It's called You Make My Heart Go. So we have a message um, here from on WhatsApp from Cornel. So Cornel says that um, um, he's really glad, Matlani, that you know, you're on the show. He's listening to everything that you're saying. His biggest concern is you know, when you get to a public, public facility and you find a doctor busy on his phone chatting in front of the patients, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we get a lot of, we feel a lot of these complaints around the, the behavior of, 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 of public servants at, at our facilities. How does, how does one deal with it? And secondly, how do, if a, if a patient has a grievance, how would they go around, you know, sorting it out? Um, you, you know, you know, Cindy, the, the issue of, um, behavior of health professionals. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a national problem. Yes. Especially for us as, as South Africans and as Africans in particular. And, and if, if you've read what Biko wrote, and in I write what I like, and he said, uh, what Africa is going to teach the world is about humanity. Mm-hmm. And and I'm saying I was I was to, talking to um, the gathering in Northwest to say there are things that as the medical uh, profession and health professionals we, we we don't have control over. I mean we can't we can't take money out of our pocket and extend the the beds in hospitals. Or, or, or buy drugs or equipment, which sometimes we do. But what we should never run out of is is the sympathy and empathy and caring for our people. Mm. Because the, the message I was telling them is that people don't really care much about how much you know, but they are interested in how much you care. Mm. And I had I had a very um, um, uh, encouraging experience where uh, the family of the patient we were treating came even when the outcome was bad. The yeah. patient actually eventually passed on. Yes. But what was encouraging and quite humbling was the way the family was so appreciative and thanked the team to say, we realized you did everything that you could. And we, we want to thank you for that. We appreciate that. It, it is just that it was beyond inhuman intervention. That's what we want. Where families will not have questions to say, why didn't this and this happen? Um, and we should go out of our way to make sure that we do everything that is humanly possible. Because sometimes even if we don't have drugs yeah. or whatever we don't have, if we give ourselves time to interact with these patients, with their families, and explain the, the predicament, the, the issue of a phone, for example, yes. you know with the technology nowadays, uh, you may think the guy, even amongst ourselves, the health professionals will be frowned upon someone who is speaking with a phone. But sometimes this person is, might be researching on the most recent and effective way of, of managing that condition. Mm. If, if, 
if you don't know that, we don't, we don't want to, to make it as an excuse. But I myself uh, experienced that you will be discussing something or seeing a patient with especially the, 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 the new generation of health professionals. Yeah. They, they will be researching on, on, on an app of some sort to say what, what, what is the protocol for treating um, DKA. Yeah. Uh, so, so we should not really be very harsh on them until we find out whether they were chatting or having fun, which should not be the case. But I think that what you touched on is, is really around communication, that even if there's a grievance, I think communication is key. We as medical um, doctors need to be able to communicate clearly to our patients at all times. If there's no medication, let, you know, let people know what's going on. Just let people know what's happening. Definitely. There's nothing that beats um, communication. I, 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 I strongly think one of the countries contributing factor towards the escalating um, medical legal bills yes. um, in South Africa is the breakdown in communication. Yes, I agree because, with that. Because if, if you explain to the patient and say, listen, um, you have a growth on your on your uterus, we understand you want to have a baby, but you're going there to try and remove that fibroid. But if it so happens that the operation complicates, we might end up having to remove the entire womb to save your life. Mm. If that is workshopped and explained thoroughly to the patient, and even after that has happened, you explain it back to the patient, clearly recorded, um, it will go a long way first in managing the patient. And, and, and remember, Cindy, one of the problems now with, 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 with the manner in which um, everything is going is that we are forgetting the fundamental principles of medicine, mm. which is the biopsychosocial model. Yeah. We are reducing patients just to the biological aspect, where... We, we see patient, people as statistics. Yeah. Uh, how many patients had cervical cancer? You know, it's just about the cervical cancer. And 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 you know, if, if you you will remember in, in in hospital the impact of a disease or a sick person in a family, it's huge. There, there will be about an average of ten people who are directly affected by this person. Yeah. So so if we don't look at that, I remember when I was working in Mangui. There's this young lady, a young mother, with a physically um, disabled child. Yeah. So that is a full-time job. If you just look at the child, a CP or, or quadriplegic child, you are missing the impact and the effect of such a condition to the entire family. Mm. Because what that meant, and, 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 and we, we could see that every month, probably towards month end, this mother on a Friday afternoon or evening, will come um, uh, with, with the patient and just hoping that you'll admit the child. She needed a and break. She needs a break. But yeah. as a society, we don't have structures and systems to say, I mean, even families. A family member should be able to say, or somebody to volunteer to say, listen, just go to town, just do whatever. I will take care of your child on your behalf just to give you a break. And yeah. I used to admit that patient on compassionate reasons, purely to allow the mother to go recharge her batteries, live her life a bit, and then she can come back and continue after that. So yeah. those are the kind of things that we miss. Uh, for example, if you get a patient from rural areas and you are bringing them into the urban centers, like in, in, in the big tertiary institutions, purely because of skills, not because of equipment. So I would understand if a patient comes from a rural area and they need a CT scan or MRI, or, or, or whatever else that they may need, which you, it, it would be expensive to, to have in each and every um, small hospital. That I understand. Yeah. But what I don't understand is when the, the, the service that they need, they are referred purely because of lack of expertise. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because when you send that patient away, say it's, it's a 78-year-old patient, you take them away from their family, mm. you will understand the delirium and everything that comes with it because you are taking away the, the, the psychological and the social support of being visited by familiar people, by family, um, when they will be far away from their family. Mm. So, so these are some of the things that we don't pay attention to, unfortunately. And I think this is where, um, you know, the health system strengthening is going to make a difference. When you think of the ward-based outreach teams, that whole that whole system, if it can be implemented and pulled off, it's going to change medicine. It's going to push us towards preventive medicine as opposed to what we what we are, you know, dealing with at the moment. You know, I, I always say we, we know this old age adage that prevention is better than cure. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, those who focus on prevention are not. Um, um, respected and supported mm. as much as people who are dealing with complications. Yeah. If, if, if you were to open a, 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 a transplant unit where you transplant kidneys that were damaged by uh, diabetic nephropathy, uh, probably you'll get sponsorship, uh, you'll get Nobel Prize, you'll get the order on Kamanga. But someone who is in the, in the villages and in the township who is educating people not to get hypertension, not to get diabetes, so that they protect and preserve their organs. That person will not get the support and the recognition that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and, and, this, and, and, and the other point is, we all know, um, this is not for political reasons, but it's purely for medical and scientific reasons. The, the Cuban system somehow seems to work, and it's, it's cornerstone. It's on prevention. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of Cuban doctors in South Africa. We've got a lot of South African doctors who are trained in Cuba. Uh, what are we leveraging from that? Because those are the people who are supposed to teach us as to say, how do we transform our system from this ineffective and inefficient um, curative system into a, a, a preventative system that has been practiced so successfully in Cuba? Yeah. Well, the things, Matlan, I think with the Cuba example, because I mean, this example comes up all the time, and I've read a, a lot about the Cuban system, and I, I'm sure you have as well. Um, in okay, just, just to be fair, okay, is that we can't necessarily transplant all their plans into our country without also beefing up the personnel th- that we have. I mean, they have many more medical schools than we do. They have many more doctors, many more nurses, much more of everything. You know, so yes, their principles are really fantastic, but we need to beef up the people on the ground that we have. You know, we need to be putting out more doctors, putting out more nurses than what we currently have. Look, I, I agree with you. Um, um, the thing is, we can't have a, a big bang approach, but we need to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, if we wait for all the variables to be in place until we can make a move, then we'll never make any move. But, you, but, 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 Matane, we need more doctors. I think at the moment we are with eight medical schools and we're only churning out each of those medical schools is putting out how many? 120 doctors from each one. If you look at the needs of the country, are pushed to, I mean, more and more people coming into the public sector system, we aren't coping. We, we have to admit that. I mean, I don't think that's a big gun approach. I think we have to, first of all, try and figure out how are we going to get more doctors out of our system. Yeah, yeah I agree fully with you. It's not just about doctors. It's not about producing more and getting more. Remember, we made this point earlier. It's also about retaining them. Uh, we produce Dr. Singh and many other doctors, but the system just pushed them out of the public system. Mm. How then do we make sure that even the few that we have, we retain them? Um, if you look at the how then do we work with the 
private sector doctor as well um, to say, if, if you look at a private hospital, it might be more better staffed than a public hospital. But statistically, we will know that uh, it's, it's, it's servicing about um, 14% of the population, while 85.5% goes to the public sector. How do we leverage on that? To say, um, how do we leverage on the skills that is available elsewhere, um, even if it's in the private sector, within the country? Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the opportunities that are missed. The, the reason why I was talking about the skills, if, if you look at the orthopedic crisis, for example, in Bumalanga or many other rural countries, yeah. in, in, the, in the private sector, you might even have an oversupply of orthopedic surgeons. Yeah. But why are we not leveraging on those skills and make sure that they also serve the public? Because even, even with the outreach that we had, uh, the, the orthopedic surgeons never had a problem with going there. They were actually excited to enjoy going there. The frustration was with poor management. Mm. Because indeed, even after our intervention, there were still logistical challenges. Um, and we think if we improve on that level, because this is one of the things that will be the push factor, uh, if you've got a vascular surgeon or, or one of the orthopedic surgeons in private, in Limpopo, for example, resigned purely because he got frustrated that he was paid for doing nothing. Every time for months in, months out, the theater was not working mm. and he could not operate. So he said, what is the point of you wasting money paying me while I come to work and I drink tea and go home? And you pay me for that purely because there are no resources for me to do my work. Mm. So we need to solve those kind of issues. And I agree with you fully that uh, we need to increase the, the production without compromising quality yeah. of, of doctors in the country. And on that, remember this, especially with the basic education challenges that we have with math and science, math literacy and all those things. We, we, we can't sit back and do nothing and, and hope that somehow doctors or learners of good quality will be produced and qualified to study medicine. On mm. that score, we, we have a program where we visit schools, we encourage learners, we provide mentorship. Um, um, just this Wednesday, we'll be in a rural area in Mopani district in Mbopo yeah. uh, um, to, to do the same. To, 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 we are working with a hospital in that area where health professionals and other professionals will be able to tell these kids, if you want to study um, radiography, this is what you need to do. Um, this is, these are the institutions that you can, start, they, you can apply for. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember the tragedy at, at um, UJ, when, when unfortunately that mother um, passed on in a stampede when she was trying to register her son, uh, that is a very painful moment and, and a huge scar in my heart, because firstly, it shows the, the, the poverty of career guidance and support that we have in this country. Yeah. If you ask the, 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 the initial or the intended cost that the, the, the son was interested in was medicine, and you and I know that there's only eight medical schools in the country, and UJ is not one of them. So, so that tragedy should teach us to say we really need to stand up and do something tangible about it. Anyone and everyone who is a professional, who knows information, we need to abide by what the CPRASA guides us, that with information lies the responsibility of sharing it. Sharing that information might actually make a difference, because this is what we want to do, to mentor these young people and give them hope so that they stay away from Nyaope and all these other things, focus on their books, knowing very well that they've got their career path well charted for them 
You say, if you want to study medicine, these are the grades I need, this is how much effort I need, this is the kind of lifestyle that I need to have. Yeah. No, that will make all the difference. I think as well, you know, when we do choose people for medical school, we should also choose beyond marks because I think compassion and Ubuntu, you know, we should be looking for that as well because that goes a long way. There's a lot of ways to make money, but I don't think medicine is one of them. I think when I give talks to high schoolers, I always say, if you want to be a medical doctor, first things first, you need to love people. You can't help people if you don't love them. That is true, um, Cindy, because you can't give something that you don't have. Mm. And one of the things that we need to do is to first teach doctors and nurses to love themselves. If we love ourselves first, because sometimes it's this self-hatred and anger and frustration with everyone. For example, I don't see this cat and mice relationship between nurses and doctors. It doesn't help, because this is where we suppose nurses and doctors um, and patients. For me, that is the equation for healthcare system. It's a team. It's, it's teamwork all the way. It has to be a team. Exactly, and that's why we call it, even though others are providing important uh, services, we, we call them allied workers and stuff like that. But if you've got a problem in this equation, you will never have a working healthcare system. Mm. That's why I'm saying if, if, if we see hospitals that procure equipment that don't make sense, if a nurse, a doctor, or a physiotherapist, or a radiographer, or a radiologist haven't ordered an equipment and given you the specifications, where do you get the powers to go waste a taxpayer's money procuring absolute, absolute systems and equipment? Yeah. Because what you're saying, you, you, you find people buying spinal needles that can't even penetrate the skin, and healthcare workers are expected to perform miracles when they're doing um, lumbar puncture. Yeah. So that's why we're saying if, if we were to go back to the basics and let the, 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 the matron and the superintendent run healthcare, not tender care, then we'll go a long way. Oh, no, but thank you so much, Dr. Palani. I think this has been a very insightful, insightful, listen to me, insightful interview. And um, yeah, and, and thank you for like being very honest about a lot of the um, issues that I brought up. So yeah, I should be calling you in a few months' time to catch up and see what else has been going on within Samatu. But thank you very much. It was really great chatting to you. Thank you very much. Cliffcentral.com.